All right, my dear friends, welcome to Getting Cloud, episode two. <laughs> Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, one is I had to reschedule an interview because the, the gentleman, dear friend of mine I was going to talk to, um, had some major stuff come up in his life. And so that'll happen a little bit later. And the second thing is, um, well, you know, by now we're not launching this show the way shows normally get launched, right? So, uh, if you were really going to launch a podcast, if I, if you were talking to me and be like, Chris, I want to launch a podcast, I'd be like, okay, here's what you do. Get your studio all set up, get everything ready, be ready to record, know like the theme of the shows, um, record three to six episodes, have a launch date, put all the episodes out at once. Like contact everybody you know and have them watch or listen to all of those episodes, have them subscribe, have them leave ratings and everything else. And it pops you up way in the rankings. You get seen by a bunch of people, people, and it's like, ah, instant success. Um, instead, what we're doing with getting plowed is, uh, <laughs> we are deciding to do it by the seat of our pants. Uh, and I'm doing this for two reasons. Um, one is sometimes it's even more important just to get started. And the second is I want to co-create this with you guys. Like I have an idea for what this show and this podcast is. I know where I want it to go. I know that I want to be able to have this live and I want to be able to have a call in number and I want to be able to have you guys like come on and us interact live because that's the thing that gives me the most energy when we can have a real live conversation together and I can help you see stuff or through stuff or maybe you show me some things and I learn some stuff along the way, right? So we're going to get there. However, um, if I do that in a vacuum, if I just think about what is getting plowed in my mind, <laughs> besides the obvious connotations of that, um, then I'm going to miss a lot of things, quite honestly. And what I've learned is the things that have been most successful in my life have all been a co-creation. They've all been a collaboration. And for this project, instead of doing that with a business partner, instead of doing that with, you know, artists and everybody else that I've worked with and, and other things in the past, instead of doing that in the entrepreneurship realm, I'm doing that with you, the audience. And so today actually becomes a perfect, perfect example of that co-creation. Um, two people reached out to me, uh, uh, one in particular, I rode uh, motorcycles with through Siberia to the Arctic circle in the middle of winter. This man is a legend. Um, and his challenge to me was Chris, I love what you're creating, but it needs to be shorter. Um, and I agree in some cases, like an episode like this where I'm speaking directly to you, I think it works well. Longer conversations, eh, maybe not. Um, I think that, that those could be done in clips if I, uh, if I invite somebody in to go through the episodes and find clips in shorter segments. But his challenge to me was, can you do an episode in 20 minutes or less? So, Boris, challenge accepted. And we shall see. Um, this one will be close. I don't know if I'll make 20 minutes or not. We will find out. And the second was a dear friend, uh, somebody I met last summer in Indiana while doing an art project. This art project uh, and humanity project involved building stock cars and one represented gratitude and one represented resentment. Uh, one was white, one was black. They looked like the Gatorade car, stock car and the Red Bull stock car. 
and they were used to spark the conversation of gratitude and resentment um, in this beautiful small town within Indiana. Um, and I got to meet him there, an incredible man. I'm not going to share his name because I haven't asked permission, um, but you know who you are, and I thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. Um, by the way, that project is called the Duality Derby, and it is amazing. And I'll leave a link in the description slash show notes. Uh, but he wrote me this note, and I think it is incredible for the time that we're going through right now, right? And I would rather address things that truly, truly matter to you, um, because that's going to be a lot more fun and it's a lot more useful. He said, so I'm wondering if you take requests for subjects to speak on. <laughs> Lol. Uh, yes, I take requests. If we're not connected already, Twitter's the best way to send me requests. If we are connected, uh, WhatsApp and Signal tend to be the best ways, but however we're connected, send them to me uh, because I want to be able to help. That's the purpose of the show. I've heard, uh, I've had this thought for the last couple of months about being emotionally tired. Hell yes. I don't know if it's a real thing. Yes, it's a real thing. But it's the best I can do to, to describe it. It's like being at capacity or emotionally unavailable due to a lack of resources or insight. Maybe one caused by several difficult circumstances in life. Similar to being physically tired, there's a reason for it and surely a solution. With physical exhaustion, you simply rest the body, fuel the body, and the body will naturally recover. So how does a person rest, fuel, and recover their emotional well-being? Ah, so well put. This is not to be mistaken with uh, spiritual or mental health. So uh, he's asked, I, I would uh, I would love to hear Chris Plow speak on this subject. I love that we get to talk about me like I'm a third person. Um, there's going to be a lot more of that as this goes on because the Plowisms, uh, like this being a Plowcast, uh, like we just get to have a lot of fun with this and we're going to continue to. Um, I have some thoughts on this. So, so first I'm going to say, I am not the foremost expert at this, but I have lived this. I have experienced this. I went through it for years. I've helped other people with it. And I've had the pleasure of working with some true and deep ask experts about this. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to share their knowledge. I'm also going to link to them in the show notes uh, and description, depending if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to the, the podcast for greater detail, right? Uh, because, ah, I've got to keep this to 20 minutes nah, ish. Um, this I think can happen for actually a variety of reasons. I don't think that there's just one, but I'm going to describe uh, a couple that have been most prominent in my own life that I've experienced and that I think are also the ones most prevalent with everything that we're going through right now. Um, I think there's probably three distinct states, but they're very, very related. So the first time that I experienced this um, was actually a little over 10 years ago when I had gone through a very challenging uh, part of my life. I was, and I've, I've spoken about this a little bit before. Matter of fact, I just wrote a story about this for a book uh, last week. Um, but I was going through this challenging time in my life when um, everything seemed to be on the up and then um, out of nowhere, a very traumatic thing happened in my life. Uh, for some of those who, who know me, 
you'll know um, what this is, and I'm going to share it in just a minute. But for those of you who don't, this is something that sounds like pretty traumatic, and and it was. But know that I've worked through this, that I'm good with this, um, that I feel good emotionally with this. So we can talk about this and whatever detail is is useful to you. Um, I got a call one morning. And I learned that my parents had passed, that they'd crossed over. Uh, and it was a very traumatic event. Again, uh, just, uh, I don't like the term trigger warning, but I just want to give you a bit of a heads up because I want to be very, very honest with you. It, they, they, um, I lost my parents in very traumatic circumstances. It was a homicide suicide, right? Um, and when that happened in my life, it was way more than I could process or deal with emotionally. And so I found myself for a long period of time going through this unemotional walk through life. It was almost like I learned how to disconnect my head. And it was a floating head in many cases going through life. And I was intellectually there and I was doing my, my best to, to be there emotionally, but I could feel this disconnect. I wasn't really fully there. I almost felt a bit like a hollow person going through life. And then just after this, the uh, economy collapsed because of the recession. I was running a company. I had uh, founded a company and a lot of the people I cared for and loved were uh, working for me in this company. And I was so afraid of, um, of being a failure. I was afraid of having to fire them. I was afraid of, of so many things in life that I basically just disconnected from uh, social relationships. I disconnected from eating healthy. I disconnected from exercise. I disconnected from anything aside from just working uh, and using work as my excuse to avoid dealing with this emotional thing that had happened in my life, right? Um, and also keeping my eye on the ball because it felt like there were so many pressures going on. And this led me to a downward spiral. A bunch of things happened. I'll share the story of what happened later. Um, but I share that just to, to say that I understand this experience when it happens for a traumatic reason. I've also found that it can happen over time uh, when, uh, things just build up slow. And I think that this is really, really applicable to what we're going through now when you have the political uncertainty and the division that's going on across the world, but especially in the United States, when we have this global pandemic and we have like the news cycle and we have technology and we have all these things that are constantly driving us towards stress. What I found is you can have this big traumatic thing that happens, or you can have these little stressors that just add up over time. They keep adding up. They keep adding up. Oh, I don't know what's going on with the election. Oh, uh, I can't be in contact with my friends. Oh, what happens if I get this, this virus? Oh, da, 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 da. I don't know if, uh, if I'm going to be able to make rent next, uh, month because I, you know, uh, I've, I've lost my job or I've been, um, uh, laid back in hours and I don't, uh, I, I can't afford health insurance anymore. And so now there's an extra fear of what's going to happen there. Um, there's a lot of these different levels of fear that can come in. Some of them very consciously like that. Um, some of them unconsciously, like just the stress of getting notifications on your phone from these apps over and over and over again. Um, and, uh, it constantly taking your attention away. That can be something that adds towards the stress. And as this stress adds up, 
it begins to take you towards this threshold. It's, it's almost like it, it uses up a large amount of your emotional bandwidth and there's very little bandwidth, very little nervous system bandwidth that's available for processing what's going on in your life. And so your nervous system, uh, your mind, your body, however you want to think of it, begins to shut down and do only what's necessary. I'm going to eat, sleep, breathe. I'm going to think, um, and I'm going to shut down anything that's not necessary for survival. It's actually a survival mechanism, right? Um, and you begin to hit this um, disconnected uh, state as well. And so it can happen for for reasons such as that. And where I first began to really, really understand this was um, earlier this year, back in February, I did something called 40 Years of Zen. The short version is 40 Years of Zen, they hook your brain up to a bunch of electrodes um, and you're taught to meditate deeply in all these different states and you push your brain and nervous system to the limit day after day after day. Imagine like Olympic level mental and nervous system training. That's what it's like. Um, But while I was there, They also pair you with somebody who is your guide and therapist. And mine happened to be this incredible man. His name was Travis. And Travis is a badass. When I mean badass, I mean real badass. He used to be an army ranger. And if you know anything about uh, special forces, you know that the army rangers are some of the badasses of badasses. But what's really cool is because... um, He has this ability to be present and empathetic and compassionate and charismatic, which works well when you're an army ranger uh, with what their operative is. Um, When he left, he went into helping people understand themselves uh, emotionally because of his own journey, helping people with trauma, PTSD, etc. And was one of the most... um, his words aren't right, but one of the hippiest uh, military people that I've ever met in my life and was incredible. And he showed me this right here. Uh, and if you're watching the video, you can see the diagram I've, I've got. And if you on the podcast, I'll link it in. But this is essentially a curve that shows um, what happens when we're in different levels of nervous system arousal. And you start in the bottom when You're in this restful state where the parasympathetic nervous system, the ventral vagal to be specific, is engaged and you're just nice and loose and you're hanging out with friends and you feel joy and you're present and you're grounded and you're social and you get to enjoy things, right? And then beyond a threshold, and this can happen just to like something catching your your mind or your eye, or it can be a culmination of stresses that are added in relationship stress, you had an argument, um, uh, uh, things at work are going challenging. You've got a deadline that's going on. You've been laid off, etc. Um, they can add up and they take you to the next level, which is where the sympathetic nervous system begins to engage. What this nervous system does, uh, this, this state does is it prepares you to fight or flight. Just basically think, it prepares you to take action. So you now you're not just in restful state. You're now in the, the state to be able to take action. Um, and in this state, you can feel things like rage, anger, irritation, frustration, worry, anxiety, fear, panic. Um, basically just emotions that are uncomfortable, 
but lead you to be very aware of your surroundings and are, and prep your body and nervous system to take action, right? The challenge is if the stress is prolonged for too long or the stress just keeps piling on and on and on above there, you enter into a state beyond that arousal state, beyond that sympathetic nervous system state where the, um, the parasympathetic nervous system takes over again. And it's something called the dorsal vagal emergency state. And essentially what happens is you're now so aroused that you actually begin to shut down again. And your body begins, your nervous system begins to conserve where it puts energy because it's realized that the best chance you have of survival is to begin shutting shit down, um, uh, often emotionally and otherwise. And in here, you can feel helplessness. You feel uh, conservation of energy, depressed, numbness, disassociation, shame, shutdown, hopelessness, um, trapped, etc. cetera. Um, and this is the freeze state of, of fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and people, again, associate this with massive um, trauma or big things that have happened. But you can end up in this state just through to the little things that add up over and over and over in time. And imagine where we are now in this world, right? Not only are you dealing with the normal stresses that you have in life, like you've got to be able to um, provide for yourself and your family and eat. And you want to be able to do something that's meaningful to you. And you don't know um, how your, your wife or your spouse or your um, significant other feels because there was an argument. And then you're thinking about your purpose in life and you've got all these things going on. But now we also have this social disconnection that's going on. And that social disconnection, lack of belonging plays a key factor in this that I'll get into in a minute. Um, and then you begin to have the worries of, of the uh, global pandemic and the virus that's going on, adding to the stress. And then in the U.S. and stuff that we have going on right now, then you have this additional stress of the political system and what's going on with it and who's actually in power and this side versus that side and everybody making enemies and you have to watch out for everybody and blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on. I'm not saying that these stresses aren't real. What I'm saying is, and when we take them in and we don't provide ourselves with an ability to actually rest or recuperate, we go beyond a threshold and beyond that threshold, we begin to disconnect mentally, emotionally, and otherwise. And that is a very, very hard state to be in. Uh, it's one that's not livable for a long period of time, at least not with joy uh, and not in a way that leads you to having a, a life that you want to lead. Eventually taken too long. And I know this from experience and I know this from people and soldiers and others that I've helped with trauma and PTSD. It often leads towards um, depression, suicidal thoughts, not wanting to live, um, isolation, removal of, of oneself from uh, key relationships and, and a really difficult and challenging downward spiral. Um, and when I say that I have experienced the rock bottom of that, I mean exactly that. I have experienced the rock bottom of that, that fine edge uh, that it can lead you to. And so that's why I think this, this question is so important. And I'm so glad that it was asked. So there are ways to address this. And I'm going to go over like what are short-term, medium-term, and long-term ways that I've found to be helpful. 
Uh, but I wanted to at least give you some context as to what this is and, and what I've experienced in my life um, so that you know where I'm coming from and you can know like what advice I'm sharing here that might be useful to you and, and what isn't. Um, I have been writing about this for months and months. Um, I'm now looking at my uh, journal, uh, Joy and Forgiveness journal, and going back to an entry from March, March 23rd to be exact, when I was literally describing this. When I feel stuck in a particular mindset or frame or emotion or disconnected, what can I do to state change or break out of it? Um, I.e. rest or recover or anything else, just as you've asked. And I came up with a bunch of ideas that are particular to me, but I'm going to break this down and make it a little bit more general um, so that hopefully it's useful to you. Um, the first thing I think of is in that state, uh, what's been proven to be absolutely most effective is feeling a deep social connection, feeling seen, heard, understood, cared for, feeling belonging and a part of something is the biggest thing that takes the nervous system from the state of ultra arousal um, down back into this state of feeling safe, feeling connected, feeling open, beginning to feel joy again, feeling your emotions, etc. So the, the ultimate cure is this social connectedness and belonging and seeing, etc., Given where we are with a lot of isolations going on, that's not always possible. So I'm going to break it down to like number one, short term, i.e. how do we alleviate the symptoms? Um, the simplest thing that I've found is a breathing exercise. That breathing exercise is called four, seven, eight breathing. And it's really simple and sounds almost too simple. But if you do it and you do it for a few minutes, you'll notice it begins to have an effect. And the reason it has an effect is you're telling your nervous system, in particular, your, um, your vagal nerve. And I, I get the, the, the front and the back, the, the dorsal and the ventral mixed up because I'm not a doctor. Um, so I'll just refer to it as the vagal nerve. But it tells your body in that vagal nerve that I am safe and your body begins to relax and you begin to find yourself coming out of that state. And then you begin to find yourself in a place where you can begin to rest and recover and get some of that emotional capacity back. Um, so the way four, seven, eight breathing works is you sit still, close your mouth or just leave it hung open just a little bit. And in through your nose, you're going to inhale for four seconds. So And then after four seconds, you're going to hold your breath for seven seconds. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then you're going to breathe out from your mouth for eight seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you'll repeat. Breathe in through the nose for four seconds. Hold for seven seconds. Breathe out through the mouth for eight seconds. Sounds a little weird to some people. It is powerful for getting the nervous system to calm down. I found um, when I'm just a little excited that doing that for 30 seconds to a minute can have a big impact. When I'm really 
in that ultra aroused state, um, I will sometimes have to do that for five or 10 minutes. Um, but it can have an immediate effect by, by reducing the symptoms. Number two, and uh, you've heard about this from Tony Robbins and others, state changes. You just need to do something to change the state um, of your body and nervous system that can have an effect. Uh, do a cold plunge, take a shower, splash cold water on your face, exercise. Um, what were some of the other ones I wrote down? Uh, go for a walk, go in nature, have a, a deep conversation with somebody, listen to um, joyful music, dance, relax in a hot tub, um, eat a blueberry. Blueberries do it for me for some reason. Um, lift weights, that type of exertion helps, uh, sing a song, take a nap. Um, like basically you're just changing the state, whatever works for you. And so my recommendation is start keeping just notes of the things that you do that change your state. Like if, if I take a nap and I wake up, I feel X amount better. Oh, okay. Nap is something that I can do. Oh, uh, you know, when I listen to this song, I always feel happier and more relaxed afterwards and relaxed and safe are a really key component of this. Um, and just take those notes and have them ready. I used to actually keep them on these little half index cards. And when I was in the state where it was hard to think or hard to be emotionally present, I would pull out the cards and I would read them and whatever, like one of them said, I would do it. I would essentially take the thinking out of it so that I could just pull out the cards do the thing, even if it's four, seven, eight breathing and feel better. Um, I'm currently testing something uh, from Apollo Neuro uh, and I can't recommend this yet because uh, I'm only a week into testing it, but I think it could work. Uh, but essentially it's this little uh, device that you strap to your ankle or your wrist. I like it on the ankle and it sends pulses to um, uh, that your nervous system take in and uh, can relax your nervous system and you can essentially set it up for different states. You can have one to relax. You can have one for sleeping. You can have one to waken up. You can have one to be more social. And um, I'm finding it useful, though I haven't used it long enough to give it a full plow recommendation, plow amendation, whatever that is. Um, the next one that I found really useful in my life, and I got from uh, my friend Arjuna based off of his book, which was uh, Radical Brilliance incredible book, by the way, um, was that once a week, I find that I, if I get a really, really deep rest, um, that is like mind rejuvenative, nervous system rejuvenative, that it just sets my whole week right. And the thing that helps with that is I take a supplement, uh, GABA, G-A-B-A. Um, and this supplement helps with, uh, uh, the rest and recovery cycle to actually get a true rest in and resetting the nervous system. Uh, and I'll, I'll include again, links in description uh, of what I use. In, and um, I, I take it once a week. Uh, it's not a sleeping pill. It's a, it's a supplement, but its impact on my ability to actually rest and recover has been um, profound for me over the past. I've been doing it now for six or seven months. Um, medium term. So these, those are kind of to alleviate symptoms and get you to a point where you just have more bandwidth and capacity and you can be more present. Then the medium term ones are ones that you will probably know. These aren't going to be unfamiliar to you, but I found really useful. So one is to keep technology in its place. Technology is incredible. It's the reason that you and I are talking right now. We can have this conversation 
little one way, but it will be live and it will be two way at some point in the future. Um, and it's brought the world a lot closer. Technology, I think is truly a very, very useful thing. And I'm not in favor of putting technology away or becoming a Luddite or trying to live without it. Instead, I believe that we've just entered a world where technology kind of runs our life. And instead I'm choosing to be the one who's in control of my life and put technology into its place so that it's very useful in my life, but it's no longer running my life. And some of the ways I do that, um, I only, uh, look at my phone, uh, a few times a day to like, look at messages and everything else. I turn off almost all notifications. Um, after about eight, 9 PM at night, um, unless there's something serious going on, I put my phone away which then again, without the blue light, without the notifications, without the dopamine and stuff that happens, um, it, uh, allows me to sleep deeper and then wake up in the morning. And I typically don't check in on my phone, um, until about two hours after I've woken up. When I first wake up, I use that time for being present with people I care about. Um, I use it to go out and either exercise or work on my property or be in nature or journal or meditate or things or, or learn, read something, um, things that are more important to me. And by doing that, I find that I, um, I feel way less stressed. I also am not getting updates for, for news or other items that I can't take immediate action on things that, um, that are out of my control. Uh, and instead I'll save that for sometime later in the day when I'll sit down to catch up on what's kind of going on in the world. But I give that a period of time instead of allowing to pervade through. I think that this 24 hour news cycle that we often get trapped in, especially with everything that's going on has profound effects on our stress and anxiety levels. And so I minimize that in my life. Um, uh, meditation. And there are two meditations that I found most useful. Again, uh, I'll link them down. One is a practice called unified mindfulness um, that has been the greatest set of tools I've had for meditation to be able to understand myself, calm my nervous system, um, and be present with myself. And then there's a meditation that was taught to me by Dr. Doug Brackman and a Navy SEAL uh, whose name is uh, Randall Kelly. Why am I? Um, oh, man, I, I am like brain farting like crazy. Anyways, uh, I apologize. That was a brain fart. Uh, but anyways, uh, my friend R Kelly, <laughs> I never thought of his name as R Kelly. Oh my gosh. I, I love you dearly. And please, uh, please forgive me for that slightly off brand joke. Um, taught me something called Zazen meditation. And it again is to, uh, calm down the nervous system. It's a seated meditation using deep belly breaths, uh, with your eyes open. And each time you take a deep breath, you're actually allowing your eyes to drop just a little further and a little further and a little further and a little further. And what they found is that as you're eye open, but looking down, um, because you're no longer scanning the horizon, looking for threats, you're actually telling your nervous system that you're safe. And then your nervous system begins to act like it's safe. And that was the first meditation that I did. And I'll include uh, a link to one of his videos. 
Uh, but that was the first meditation I ever did where I actually felt a difference right there. And it began to change my mind about how I, uh, I look at meditation and whether it's useful. And I had tried meditation for a couple of years and hadn't really found it that useful until that moment. Um, the next medium term thing is to begin looking at your life and your relationships and figure out what you might be avoiding, especially in terms of conversations. Um, is there a conversation with your spouse? Is there a conversation with uh, an employee or an employer? Is there a conversation with a family member? Is there a conversation with a friend that you've really been avoiding that is eating up a lot of unconscious emotional bandwidth? Um, where every time you think about it, your stomach just churns a little bit, but you just can't bring yourself to do it. Having those conversations, um, of course, with respect, with dignity, with care, you know, these are not angry conversations. Having those conversations um, reduces that emotional load, that unconscious load that's going on in the nervous system, which then gives you more bandwidth, which allows you to be more present, which allows you to then recover because you're not under this constant unconscious tr uh, stress. Um, that can be really, really huge. Those are the things I would think of for like the medium term. And then for long term, and this is where we're starting to get into uh, the root causes, like what is actually going on behind the scenes that's, that's adding up towards this. Um, there can be some physical causes for this. Um, there's been a lot of links between inflammation, systemic inflammation in the body and depression, um, and even a lot of like other diseases. Most chronic diseases in the body have been linked towards some type of inflammation. And that can often be addressed by eating a healthy diet. Um, some very, very common supplements such as like a turmeric and, and, uh, fr uh, fish oil or krill oil. Um, and, uh, ensuring that you're eating the foods that, uh, go well with your gut, uh, your gut health, um, and with your own metabolism and everything else. And there are tests that you can take, which show you those. Um, I have spent, uh, the past two years changing up my diet to figure, figure out like what works best for me. I've even done DNA tests. I've done food, uh, sensitivity tests. I have, uh, now I, uh, because I don't enjoy cooking very much and I don't have a significant other who does, um, I have meals delivered. So I'm always eating healthy and that eating healthy and, and fewer processed foods, fewer, um, sugars and everything else. Um, number one, I have all the indicators of inflammation. In my body have dropped dramatically. And number two, my energy levels have increased. Number three, my sense of feeling present, um, has increased as well. And so that's been a, a great investment that I've made that's helped with it. Um, uh, then I've done a lot of personal work. And in this personal work, I'm really getting down into what are the things behind the covers that I have um, been avoiding. Um, so for instance, for a long time in my life, dealing with the loss of my parents and grieving for them and feeling that, and then dealing with the emotions that came up as a result of that, the shame, the guilt, and otherwise, and actually processing those in a variety of ways. I have 
done coaching, I've done therapy, I've done journaling, I've done alternative therapies such as um, psychedelic medicines, uh, plant medicines, um, uh, a lot of things um, that have been very useful. And if, if any of those spark an interest in you, then you can just ask and in another episode, I can go deeper into them or I can invite in an even greater expert. We can have a really deep conversation, but essentially using those tools and technologies in order to resolve the things that are going on in my unconscious. And what I found is as I do that, my ability to be present, my ability to feel safe, my ability to handle these enormous things that life has uh, has given me, including like this last year, has increased more than I could ever imagine. Um, and so uh, I am a big, big fan of pulling up the the rug and actually processing the emotional things that are going on in your life. And if you watch the first episode, which uh, was long, but uh, it was a very fascinating, unexpected first episode of Getting Plowed, um, you can see that a lot of what I did with uh, Winston was that emotional openness and processing some stuff emotionally that had then further freed me up and allowed me to feel a deeper sense of peace, a deeper sense of um, a feeling okay with myself, a deeper sense of self-acceptance that's helped towards this as well. And then um, this I'm putting last, but I actually believe it's the most important one. And that is your um, close relationships and having a place where you truly feel like you belong. Um, those things right there are the greatest things for human beings that tend to lead towards this sense of safety, this pulling uh, yourself out of the emergency, whether it's the freeze or the fight or flight states, um, of allowing yourself to feel open, connected, um, emotionally available, um, all of those things come from these social connections that we have. It's one of the reasons that earlier this year, when things were getting really bad with uh, the pandemic, I started something called I Am Listening. And it's even on my website now. Like it's, uh, uh, I think it's chrisplow.com slash I Am Listening. And I just made myself available for anybody who wanted it to be able to schedule a call with me and I'm just going to be present and I'm going to listen and help you feel heard and understood, help you feel safe. If you want my advice, I'll give it to you. But if not, I'll just listen because I know that when somebody feels that, they feel connected. They feel like somebody actually cares. They feel like somebody actually gets them, that it relieves all all of those things that are going on in life. And so not only um, can you seek somebody out, uh, whether it's a deep friend, somebody you trust, uh, or whatever else to be able to experience that in your life, but that's something that you can offer to somebody who's going through a really hard time to give them that same sense of, um, of relief, of, of true relief. And then last, like, like being in groups where you feel like you belong. And man, this, uh, most of my friends that I care most deeply about, uh, that I grew up with, uh, this is a place that they struggle. They feel like there are very few people 
who they have close relationships with. And there are very few places that they actually feel like they belong. And I believe this is probably the biggest crisis that exists in our society today. And I believe it's going to be the best opportunity um, in order to help society. But also if you're talking about business opportunities and entrepreneurship and everything else, like solving the crisis of belonging will be the greatest opportunity over the next decade that could possibly exist. Um, and so my advice for that is you've got to be willing to, to go out and meet new people and see if you can find people through like common interests. Um, see if you can find people through different groups and tribes. Uh, for me, um, Archangel, uh, the Mavericks mastermind talks, um, those are some of the groups that I was a part of and, and continue to be a part of that have created this sense of belonging. And for me, what belonging means is I'm someplace with a group of people who I get to be me and they accept me exactly as I am with my flaws, with my weird quirks, with my propensity to use plow and talk about myself in the third person. Like all of that is there. And I truly feel like I belong. And I know, I know that these groups exist because I've been a part of them. I know that they exist because I've talked to friends who've been without them and people who have found their tribe, their community, whatever it is that you want to call it. And one of the benefits, even though the internet is far from perfect, and I won't get into the whole social media thing right now. I think it's in a topic for another, uh, another episode. But um, one of the uh, benefits of the internet is that you can find other people who believe what you believe. You can find other people who accept you as you are. And this can be troublesome when you get into bubbles where everybody just believes the same thing and there's not an outside connection, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. Um, we're going to leave that again for, for another uh, conversation. What I'm talking about are these groups where you have some type of common interest. And when you're in this group, you feel like you belong. But more importantly, these are groups that encourage you to continue growing and evolving and learning. And they often allow you to also share your wisdom to help other people within the group so that you have a sense of purpose and meaning in your life as well. And when those three things are served, you feel accepted, you are encouraged to continue growing, and you're able to help and contribute so you have, feel purpose and meaning. Um, those are the groups that literally shift and change lives. And it's as a result of those groups, I'm not going to be very, very blunt with this, without groups like that, I probably wouldn't be here today with some of the darker times that I'd hit in my life. So, um, I have definitely not made 20 minutes, but this is also not a two and a half hour episode. Uh, those are the things that come to mind. And I'm sure that we could go into a lot more detail. And instead of doing that in this episode, what I'm going to do is now open it up to you. What questions 
came up to you um, when you uh, listened to this this episode? Uh, what areas would you love for me to jump further into? I'm very fortunate that I also have a network of people who are experts in many of these areas. Which ones would you love for me to sit down with and like just be able to drill into their mind and understand in an even deeper way? Um, because that's what I get to do. I get to use, not use, leverage, um, have fun with, play with all of my relationships um, in order to make this information and knowledge and wisdom accessible to you. And that's what I want. So I'm going to encourage you, reach out. Uh, like I said before, you can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up on WhatsApp. You can hit me up on Signal um, or any other way that you're connected to me. You can send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you want me to dig deeper into. And that will be a future episode of Getting Plowed. And um, otherwise, I'm going to continue evolving. As you can see, if you're watching the video, I have a sign up, even though the wall is just a plain wall right now. And we're using a better camera and we're using a better microphone. Um, this is going to continue to evolve. And... Uh, I want to create this with you and I am inviting you in because I want you to be a part of this process. All right. That's enough for tonight. I love you. Big love over and out. I don't even know what that sound was. I don't know why I made it, but it was kind of cool. So it'll work for this time. Good night, y'all.